Hey everybody, Wasilla Steve here from Alaska. You know, I listen to five or six podcasts regularly, and one of them is the handgun world. And why? Because I too am a cancer survivor. And because Bob survived cancer, and I survived cancer, Bob got the pleasure of teaching me in two of his classes. And boy, did he ever enjoy that. And I'm not trying to brag or anything, but he taught the best student he has ever had. That being my good friend who attended the classes with me. So here now, a true survivor, a great American, and hands down, one of the best instructors I know, Bob Maine. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main, and welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. A practical show done by a practical guy, and that is me. This episode is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of fantastic holsters outside the waist or inside the waist, even appendix carry holsters. Check them out, concealmentsolutions.com. I own several of the holsters and Top quality, great customer service, made in the USA, uh, just a lot of good products. ConcealmentSolutions.com, and because you listen to the Handgun World Podcast, you get a 10% discount just by using the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD at, check it, head, at checkout. Head on over there, and in the show notes, there'll be a direct link for you to do that. So this week, I am going to speak about a few things. Um, I got a great email comment about one of my past episodes from a listener, so I'll be covering that about about the Naval Air Station shooting that happened a while back. John Adine and I did a great episode, 493, back published on December 15th, and this listener was contacting about uh, contacting me about that so I'll be covering that I'm going to cover talk a little bit about the cool fire trainers that Ben Branham and I got to test uh, we got to test cool fire trainers a uh, training device for your handgun excellent for dry pri- dry fire practice so I'm going to talk a little bit about that talk a little bit about preparations and things and uh, what's going on of course in the news right now with the rioting and looting and George Floyd's terrible death and things like that. So kind of got a full plate for this episode. A lot to talk about. Let's let's get right into it here. The first topic is going to be about this email that I got. And uh, the man asked me to leave his name out, so I will. But he's an active duty senior NCO in the military. And he said he was reached in a very profound way by some of the details that, that me and uh, Dr. John Adine shared in this episode that we recently recorded, episode 493. So I'll put a link in the show notes. And it was about the, the shooting, the terrorist uh, shooting at the Naval Air Station in Pensacola, Florida. 
And this uh, NCO told me about a Department of Defense directive. Uh, and it's been in effect since 2016. And you, you could Google search it. But basically it says the Department of, Department of Defense directive is a broad policy containing what is required by legislators, the President, and the Secretary of Defense to initiate actions or conduct within their responsibilities and basically they can uh, initiate and allowing for example NCOs to carry guns um, in this interview or press conference uh, no I'm sorry he was he was talking about let me back up. I got a little bit of a, a little bit ahead of myself there on this one. So let me back up. Anyway, this gentleman who's an NCO, he got he got excited and pretty pleased when he read paragraph four and uh, section four. Excuse me, section four. Basically, giving him if he got permission from his uh, chain of command to carry his own Glock on the military post. And he said he certified uh, IDPA RSO, IDPA expert level, hosts a monthly IDPA and uh, steel challenge match. He shoots GSSF. He's attended over 150 hours of firearms-related training in the last three years on his own dollar, has a current CC, CCW permit in his state, current card-carrying member of the state firearms advocacy group and he was immediately and flatly denied the ability to carry a gun on post. Now I would think based on if all that is provable and he can do that and, and he's got that kind of experience why was he flatly denied to carry a gun on post on military base it could save lives folks now to be specific I'll briefly cover um, section 4 but basically it says that this provides guidance for determining the eligibility of Department of Dep Defense personnel to carry privately owned firearms on DOD property for personal protection when it's not related to the performance of their official duty and it says they may grant permission to DOD personnel requesting to carry a privately owned firearm for personal protection so it's a may issue situation permissions granted under this section this again this is DOD policy from 2016 permissions granted under this section do not apply to carrying a firearm within federal buildings uh, unless the arming authority specifically determines that. And uh, so basically, it's for personal protection. And all permissions will be in writing. And uh, after verifying that the requester meets the requirements of the issuance. And it'll be valid for 90 days, blah, blah, blah. And so it begs the question, you know, the requirements of the issuance okay so in this policy uh, in section uh, 
let's see here. I think it was section four. Wait, let me pull up the section where it describes what qualifies you. Okay, so it looks like it's in uh, 3.2. It's in paragraph 3.2. Security, law enforcement, or other designated personnel who routinely carry a firearm as required by their position must satisfactor satisfactorily complete DOD component approved training every 12 months which includes firearms familiarization classroom academic live fire and use of force um, so maybe he was denied because maybe he didn't have that DOD approved training for example maybe it wasn't maybe the competition shooting wasn't satisfactory enough for them maybe they didn't think that that was qualification enough uh, the thing is here and I don't want to go into I don't want to bore you guys with a bunch of details here on this uh, DOD policy but it looks like the DOD may issue certain certain officers their chain of command may issue them to carry firearms for their personal protection when they're not in federal buildings and they're not performing their official duties uh, but I guess they seem to be pretty reluctant to do so and uh, it's kind of interesting I wonder why I, I don't know why there's so much reluctance to do that maybe and of course we don't know for sure I guess I'm being kind of hypothetical but maybe that whole naval air station situation in Pensacola might have been uh, preventable or at least mitigated somewhat if if he was allowed or if people were allowed to carry uh, at least even if they were carrying for personal reasons in the nearby area I don't know but it's always puzzled me why our military personnel that are supposed to be highly trained that are supposed to be able to go to war uh, whenever they are asked to go to war with rifles and, and, and handguns and everything else and all the other artillery equipment that they use and everything else why can they go do that and put their life on the line but on a military base while they're on base they're they're not allowed to carry they're not allowed they, why why does the government feel confident enough in their abilities when they're out on the battlefield but doesn't feel confident enough in their abilities when they're in the infield in in on their own home base uh, that that's a head scratcher to me that's just something i've i've never understood and i really appreciate the listener taking the time to send me this email and uh, telling me a little bit about what the what the policies are for the for the department of defense and allowing um you know certain personnel certain military personnel to be able to carry a gun and uh, he posed the question you know what if um, what if there was an interview some grieving parents of one of our brave soldiers and uh, that, that, that senselessly got killed and in the interview the parents called for an answer to how many lives might have been saved since 2016 if the military leaders would have chosen to arm officers and senior NCOs yeah, or at least empower rather than endanger 
our people using the DOD directive? Um, and that's a great question. And I'm glad that he uh, put that in this email and sent this email. I love informative emails like this that that talk about information and talk about things from a uh, analytical standpoint because then I can analyze them and, and start posing some questions. So I'm going to go ahead and appeal to some of you out there and maybe some of you active duty military, maybe some of you former active duty military, maybe some of you that are a little bit closer to some of this issue than I am or that the... Uh, listener emailer is maybe you can shed some light does it really make sense to deny a military uh, NCO with the kind of qualifications that this listener has does it make sense to deny him the ability to carry a gun to protect himself 150 hours of firearms related training that he paid for over three years outside of military channels, a certified IDPA RSO, an IDPA expert level shooter, hosting matches and steel challenge matches and shooting GSSF and things like that. I would think that would be a slam dunk qualification, wouldn't you? So again, I um, it's good to know that when I do episodes and I do interviews about certain topics, that, that they have an effect, that they reach people, that they get you to think, that, that they reach people in some way on some issue. And, and I guess episode 493 did that. And I, I really appreciate you, sir, sending me this email. I appreciate your, your service to this great country. Uh, thank you very much. And I'll go ahead and put a link. Uh, you guys need to listen to, go back and listen to episode 493 one more time um, again send me a voicemail or an email voicemails 210-646-1727 210-646-1727 and let me know what you think about this this subject of why can't certain military personnel carry a gun on base is there a real good reason to deny at least those that have demonstrated proficiency like like this man has what's what's the reason to deny them it just it makes no sense i mean a, a private citizen who's not military can can get a concealed carry permit far easier than that and and they can carry a gun almost anywhere they want to go where it's legal to carry so why why can't why can't military men and women do it on base? All right. Well, I hope to hear from some of you on that. So let me transition into the rioting and looting and stuff going on right now. I think it's perfectly obvious this has gone way beyond George Floyd's death, and I got to say I am sad. I am really sad. What's happened? about what's happened to Mr. Floyd, what the what the police officer, Derek Chauvin, did. Um, I For the life of me, I can't figure out why he did that. What what was the purpose? Uh, it, there's not one. 
Why didn't the other three officers uh, intervene? Uh, I'm not speaking bad about police officers here, but there are bad apples. And, and I think this is clearly an example of bad apples. Uh, should this guy have even been a cop? I mean, it doesn't... I've watched a lot of video on this. I'm not just, you know, talking for the sake of talking and rendering an opinion. I've watched a lot of the videos, um, including a long version of the video that's on YouTube right now, which I think is about 15 minutes of the whole George Floyd situation. And it just does not appear that George Floyd did anything to deserve the kind of treatment that he got. And yes, we know that there were other conditions, health conditions that George Floyd had, but you know, based on those other health conditions and things, does it really warrant the the knee on the neck for eight minutes and forty six seconds? No, it doesn't. Not at all. And I don't care what color the suspect is. Nobody, I mean, absolutely nobody deserves that kind of treatment. Once you got, I have a question for law enforcement officers. Once you got the, the cuffs on them, you have three other officers there helping you. So it's four on one. You got the, cuss, the, the, the handcuffs on them. What more is there to do? What more is there to do? I mean, even if you have to wait for another form of transportation, what more is there to do to take the suspect into custody and, and to make make the arrest or whatever it is that you want to do uh i just i think we're at a very sad state of affairs and not just because of what the police officer did to george floyd because it is horrible i believe and you guys know i'm a big fan of law enforcement i'm a big fan of good law enforcement and i don't think this was an example of good law enforcement i just don't but we're also in a sad state of affairs because of the rioting and the looting and the violence and the firebombing and everything else that's going on around the country right now. You know, how, how many times have you heard a politician say, why do you need an AR-15? Well, I think the last three days have pretty much shown America why you need an AR-15. Pretty obvious now why you need an AR-15. It's always been obvious, but it better, be, it better be incredibly obvious to Americans right now as to why you need an AR-15 and why you need 30-round magazines and multiple 30-round magazines. I mean, what if, the, what, if that, what if the mobs you see in the streets, the violent mobs, decide to come to your neighborhood? Okay? Uh, yeah. Law enforcement's had hard enough time controlling these mobs in the small areas where they currently exist in some of the downtown areas. What if it's more widespread? How's law enforcement going to be able to help you then? You're on your own. You've always been on your own. But I think between COVID-19 and between all the supposed George Floyd riots, I think it's it's perfectly obvious why we need guns. And you know, I was recently on episode 75 
of Prepping 2.0 podcast with Glenn Tate and Shelby Galliber. They interviewed me, um, I think it was a couple months ago. Episode 75. I'll put a link in the show notes. Check that out. And uh, Glenn and Shelby asked me, what are my predictions for 2020? This was when COVID-19 was pretty much getting started. What are my predictions for 2020? You can go back and listen to it. I said, I predict a lot of civil unrest coming. I predict a lot of very bad civil unrest that's violent and desperate people are going to start doing desperate things. And I guess it didn't take very long for my prediction to come true, did it? Here we are. And it's so sad. What's happening to my country? I just, I see it, I see it crumbling right before my very eyes. It's just sad. I, I don't recognize America anymore. As Glenn Tate says, I miss America. I miss what America used to be. I don't recognize it anymore. And uh, this is not just about the death of George Floyd. This is about a bunch of thugs and, and, and bad people that want to destroy our country, destroy our way of life, and basically burn this place to the ground. That's what they want. Do you, do you want to allow them to do that? And even if this was about George Floyd's death, is this the right response? All this kind of violence just make law enforcement get tougher. It makes them increase their tactics, makes them get tougher, makes them utilize more of their techniques and their materials that they have. Now the National Guard is getting involved. So let's just say for a moment this was only about George Floyd's death. Then the protesters are really going about this the wrong way, 180 degrees different. People say, Bob, well, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like because, you know, you're not black. You don't know what it's like being an African-American and living in America. No, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like. But what I do know is like is that protests of this nature help nothing. It does not advance the causes. Yes, there needs to be a repair or a restructure or a reform of the treatment of all minority individuals in America. There does. It's, it's perfectly obvious there needs to be some kind of reform. And there needs to be some kind of law enforcement reform. Yes. For some people, there are some very good cops. There are some very good cops. I've had very good cops on this show talking uh, about law enforcement. You know, Officer Greg from California. Had, I've met him in person recently, by the way. Hi, Officer Greg. How are you doing, Greg? It was a pleasure to meet you and your wife recently. And Officer Greg from California has done guest host podcasts for me. John Payne, also very good police officer. And he's been my guest many, many times on this show. And I'm sure there's plenty of good police officers right now listening to me. And there are bad police officers in America, and not just America, but anywhere, all over the world. 
Um, you know, folks, you can pick any profession. And you, you can find bad people in any profession. So let's just not pick on only law enforcement. We need law enforcement and we need good law enforcement. And I still support and still will support good law enforcement. But I will not support what happened to George Floyd. And I will also not support this absolutely violent and horrific responses going throughout almost 30 cities in America right now. I chose to peacefully protest last weekend. I took my family down to the beach for a day and a half. (laughs) That's my peaceful form of protesting, okay? I took them to the beach, all right? And, And it is a peaceful form of protesting. I'm protesting because what I'm saying by doing that is I'm going to live my life on my terms and nobody's going to stop me from doing it. And even COVID-19 is not going to stop me from doing it. I have a second chance at life, folks. Most of you know my situation. You know the severely life-threatening cancer that I fought and by God's grace I was able to beat that and I had very good medical care at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. So I got a second chance. And I'm gonna live it the way I want to live it and I'm gonna live it on my own terms and I'm gonna live it well. That's my peaceful way of protesting. But if you want to go out on the streets and protest, fine, go out on the streets and protest. It's your First Amendment right to do that. It is not your First Amendment right to destroy property, put other people's lives in danger, charge the cops, and do all the violent stuff. And I actually heard some cops were shot at. That's not protected by the First Amendment. Okay? That's not. It's just simply not. And the word peaceably actually appears in the First Amendment. To peaceably gather and petition the government for a redress of grievances. Peaceably. So this is either Antifa or a bunch of other thugs or people that just hate America, hate our society, and they are going to get violent. And so I predicted, I'm not the only one that predicted it, but that's the very first thing I said on Glenn Tate's 2.0, Prepping 2.0 show. When they asked me, for what are my predictions? What do you have to prepare for in 2020? I said, violence. So let me shift gears into the prepping section of this episode. Because I like to talk about common sense preparedness. No tinfoil hat preparedness. Just rooted in common sense. Well, I think that's a lot of common sense right now telling you you need to be prepared for the violence that exists in our society. I've said for years evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. And here we are. It's playing out right before our eyes. Evil exists in the hearts of men and women and it's right before our very eyes. It's showing itself. It's showing itself on the streets of major cities every night. It's evil. 
and it could come to your doorstep. I, and I, I know this sounds scary. Some people, you know, might be listening to this. I mean, if you're if you're listening to this episode with your family, I'm sorry if I'm scaring or disturbing members of your family. This is typically a family-friendly show. And, you know, you're not going to hear me cuss and swear on this show and things like that. I don't do that. But sometimes I have to talk about sensitive subjects like this. Uh, because they happen. And so I'm sorry if I'm scaring anybody in your family. But I, I, I must talk about reality. I figure I would be doing my listeners a great disservice if I did not talk about reality. And the reality is there's some frustrated people. There's some angry people. And think about it. Being cooped up for three months and locked down in their houses for three months with no money, no jobs because of COVID-19, that that right there, that alone is going to anger people. And maybe that's some of what we're seeing manifest itself right now. And that's kind of what I was talking about on, on Glenn Tate's Prepping 2.0 podcast, episode 75. It's kind of what I meant. I didn't... I didn't predict what was going to happen to George Floyd, but I knew that there were going to be desperate people doing desperate things after COVID-19, after the whole society started to open up a little bit. And you got to prepare for that. So, yeah, yeah, you need an AR-15. Yeah, you need some good handguns, and you need some standard capacity magazines for these weapons. You need standard capacity 30-round magazines. That's a standard capacity magazine for an AR-15. That's not a high capacity magazine. You need some 15 or 17 round mags for your semi-automatic handgun. That's a standard capacity magazine. And I think you can see why. Then you need to know how to use it. You need to start getting some training. You need to go to competition matches. Training and competition. Training and competition. Get the equipment, then get the training and competition so that you can be effective with it. How many times have I said that? But, you know, every once in a while in society, in our history, things, things that we say, things that those of us like me who are Second Amendment advocates and preparedness advocates, sometimes events happen that sort of prove our point. Right? And that's that's kind of what's happened here. It's it's proving our point. COVID nineteen proved the point as to why you need to be prepared. Why you need to have a, a modern day survival mentality. Proves why you need to store food. Proves why you need to have more PPE, personal protection equipment, and know how to use it. It proves why you have to have money in the bank in case you don't have a job. Uh, for three months. It proves all this stuff. And now the violence that's erupting proves why you need to have the ability to protect yourself because police officers aren't going to protect you. Come on. You can't be calling 911. How ludicrous is that? People say just call 911. Really? <laughs> Anybody who is uh, going to respond from the 911 call, they're downtown right now trying to stop all the rioting. They're not going to be coming to your house to help you if you got a problem. You're 100% on your own. So get with it. If you don't believe in all this stuff, why not? 
you know, if you got family members and loved ones that don't believe in all this stuff, maybe see if you can get them to listen to this episode. You know, share this with them. And if what they see on TV every night is not convincing them, well, then, then I don't know what's going to convince them. Okay? So, enough on that point. Finally, I want to get into the Cool Fire Trainer. Last week, Ben Branham and I went to the range and... Um, we we had a chance to test out some cool fire trainers. Uh, Dr. John Dean came with us, and and they were his toys. Uh, and he had a couple of handguns, and he put the cool fire trainers. And what a cool fire trainer is, it's basically a barrel and a recoil spring assembly replacement that that uses gas to cycle the gun. The gun is absolutely uh, safe to dry fire because it's it's not a real barrel and you can't put real ammunition in the barrel you can only put in the cool fire trainer product but what's really nice is when you press the trigger on your own gun see you're using your own gun that's what's really cool you're not using a different gun you're using your own gun that you carry all the time and use for defense when you press the trigger the gas gives you the gun some recoil it cycles the action and it gives it some recoil and I think it's a really cool practice system because it's probably the closest thing to live fire that you can do but yet it's good dry fire practice so you can you can kinda you know get the feel and see what's happening now what it does not do here's what it doesn't do it doesn't tell you where your shot went like some training devices out there will tell you where you hit on target the cool fire trainer doesn't really do that but you can watch what your sights are doing if you have a red dot pistol you can watch what the red dot is doing while you're while you're shooting and that helps you make the corrections that you need so it was a great experience Ben and I shot a video you can find that over at modern handgunners on YouTube you can also find that on my YouTube channel at the handgun world YouTube channel just search Handgun World on YouTube. Get subscribed if you're not already subscribed. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go directly over to my channel or our, our Modern Handgunners channel that Ben and I do. And you can see we did about a 12-minute review on the Cool Fire Trainer on there. It's pretty good stuff. And it was a lot of fun. We also, I also did a, a, a P365 video go check that out on my sig p365 and we had a chance to shoot and compare the p365 xl with the p365 side by side shooting them and reviewing them that's over there on both of those youtube channels as well so take a look at that for me if you would please but I, i'm very impressed with the cool fire device good stuff and um, I'll put a link in the notes if you're interested in buying one. I think I'm going to get one. I think I'm going to get one for a Glock 19 since that's a gun I carry and shoot a lot. And I'm going to try to get one of those and, and practice with it a lot. It's something I wouldn't mind standing in my garage and using uh, for dry fire practice because I know I'm not going to hurt anybody or anything with that, with that uh, trainer training device and I can use my nice 
uh, Glock 19 that I just modified all up that I took two years to do a modification build on a Glock 19 third gen and it came out great so I don't have to switch guns just to do some training that's a that's an excellent concept and I don't have to I don't have to be it, it'll make my dry fire practice so much so much easier and more effective and this is not a paid endorsement or a paid pitch for the product or anything like that. I'm not sponsored by Cool Fire. They didn't give me any money or anything, not even any free product to say this. This is just experience. See, I like to do that. I, I like to stay as neutral as I can when it comes to sponsorships. I got one sponsor on this show, Concealment Solutions, because I've been using Jason's stuff for many years now. And uh, that's it. That's the only sponsor I have because I want this to be a listener-supported podcast. Listener-supported. I don't want to be paid by some product manufacturer to endorse something just because they're paying me to do it. Uh, I want you to hear my experiences. Therefore, I need your support. I need your support to be able to continue to do this show for my time and the equipment and the range fees and everything else and the hosting fees and all that stuff I need your support that's one reason why Ben and I established the Shooters Club and we give a lot of value on the Shooters Club we give like over 80 videos instructional videos good instructional videos $8 a month or $75 a year that's one way that you can support and get some benefit for your support or you can buy on my Amazon store by going to Handgun World every time that you want to buy an Amazon sold product. Go to handgunworld.com and buy through my Amazon affiliate link. Okay, you can do those things for me. That would be great. I'd very much appreciate that. And, and links for the Shooters Club and Amazon store, they're all at handgunworld.com. And of course, in the show notes on every episode so that's it I wanted to keep this relatively brief and kind of make my points and then let you think about it as a reminder subscribe to the two YouTube channels that I have and uh, let me know what you think of some of those videos over there uh, write me an iTunes review if you haven't done that yet would like to get that too or anywhere you get your podcasts if you can review uh, write me a review. How about a voicemail? 210-646-1727 about this Department of Defense directive that I talked about in the beginning of the show and um, and why we, why we seem to be resistant to let well-qualified military personnel carry a gun for their own protection while they're, while they're in the infield on their their home base okay with all that said folks i'm bob main you've just listened to another episode of the handgun world podcast this has been episode 509 published on june 1st and uh thanks again for listening remember to shoot straight shoot safe read your bible every day and i'll talk to you next week goodbye